Is that what I'm saying? Rough Trade Radio. 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 How's that? Hi, uh, my name's Lawrence uh, and I'm in the podcast room here at Rough Trade East and I'm speaking to Ernest Green of Washed Out uh, about his new album. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. So you just got in to London last night? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little tired, I have to admit, but um, I love being in record stores, being inspired by incredible music around me. So yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Cool. Yeah, thanks a lot for coming over. So the new album is a kind of visual album, right? Um, can you tell us a little bit about the process behind that? Sure. Yeah, well, I've always been a big visual thinker. You know, when I'm putting music together, I have these visions of what it might look like, um, animated or just a full-blown video. Um, this is the first time I've ever had the chance to take that to the extreme. So in, in a lot of ways, it, it's a labor of love and this ultimate fantasy project for me, really. Um, but yeah, there's a um, really strong visual component, uh, the record flows kind of mixtape style where there's interludes and flows into one another and the videos kind of follow suit, follow suit and um, all kinds of animation in play. There's claymation, there's collage cutouts, there's traditional hand-drawn, um, but it all shares this kind of similar sensibility of being kind of raw and handmade, which from my perspective, I feel like the music Okay, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So is it kind of like uh, symbiotic with the music? Because I was listening to some of the stuff today. I've been a really big fan since you first came out, the Life of Leisure EP. Cool. And, um, you know, one of the things I was going to ask was how, um, you know, we're here today to do shoplifting, you know, picking stuff from, from, you know, the selection of the racks. And you've released stuff for two two or more of them, you know, kind of iconic, preeminent modern labels, the new albums on Stone's Throw. Yep. Um, Is that signal a kind of... uh, you know, developing kind of hip hop production technique or sound and sure. Yeah. I mean, I've always been really inspired by hip hop production. Um, you know, the last couple records have been more traditionally recorded, like in a proper studio. However, there's always been some element of, you know, sampling and, and stuff like that in play. I think this is the first time in a while that, um, I've kind of put together the entire record. Um, there's a few moments where there's some I played some things, but for the most part, it's all just collage style. Um, so, is that sampling from your record collection or from uh, people playing for you, or how's that? Yeah, a little bit of both. It's funny we were talking about this on the way over. Anytime you know the the discussion of sampling comes up, it's like you don't want to give away too much for, for, for obvious drums. reasons. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's a big process big part of my process i mean i actually spent a ton of time on youtube this time around and so it's not necessarily like you know old funk breaks or whatever what you would think of yeah. normal sampling approach i mean it's as much like weird voiceover stuff that i found in these weird like people's personal vlog videos you know okay. like there's tons of in the interlude moments there's a lot of weird just kind of spoken word stuff um very, uh, tons of layers. Um, I think sensory overload is, is the phrase that gets thrown around a lot with both the music and the visuals. It's just super busy all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's something I love about sampling is uh, when you take these really disparate 
stuff from all over the place, you know, different genres, different eras of music. And, you know, when you layer them on top of one another, it creates something really kind of unique and special that you can never sort of do if you're sitting down in front of a piano or whatever. It's quite a different approach. And Yeah. I was, uh, I was going to say something else, but uh, I thought you were just saying all that and then the album you've got sitting in front of you is like, uh, you know, it's, uh, it couldn't be more apt. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell us a bit about your first selection for the shop? Sure. So, yeah, there's a bit of a theme, I think, connecting most of these, uh, which is the sampling thing. Um, mm-hmm. The first one here is uh, DJ Shadows introducing. Um, I have two posters hanging up in my studio right now. One is of DJ Shadow digging for records. Uh, I don't know if you've seen, there's like a, what's the name of the documentary? It's a documentary about like turntablism and stuff. Is it sampled? It's something like that, but there's a great scene where uh, DJ Shadow's like local record shop, there's like this basement that just has records stacked to the ceiling. You know, just so many records and... Anyway, the photo is a black and white photo of him down there just digging through stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely, hands down, I think my favorite record of all time. Wow. Um, yeah, coming out swinging <laughs> with the first choice. I mean, and, and I mean, it's a classic record. I'm sure, you know, probably other people have talked about this before. But as far as my sensibility, you know, it's, it's certainly shaped the way I, like, think about putting together music. Um Obviously, like, the tone of this is quite different than, you know, what I do most of the time. But um, just, again, kind of what I was saying earlier, how unique the sounds that he gets by taking all of these random elements and kind of... Yeah, he kind of, I suppose this album really popularized that turntablism and sound collage in that context, right? Sure. It it was, yeah, it's uh, incredible um, kind of how much has gone on to influence and what it's only I think it's I think we had a reissue last year I think it's maybe 20th anniversary yeah I think so yeah so yeah so again yeah one of my favorite records um moving on okay so <laughs> so uh, on this one uh which which track are you choosing from introducing oh okay I guess I mean it has to be like the classic midnight and perfect world um I mean that's the one that you know it's almost like the the single cut or whatever where it's like it kind of captures the DJ Shadow vibe pretty well in like a short four minute yeah. song. So. Okay, I'm right, perfect. We'll have a listen to that now. Insight, foresight, more sight. The clock on the wall reads a quarter past midnight.
So uh, that was the first uh, selection, uh, DJ Shadow track uh, from Ernest uh, from Washed Out. Um, so I suppose um, that's kind of uh, uh, signifies kind of uh, the tone of the new album and what you've been doing. I was going to ask actually because I saw you play, I think, on Paracosm, mm-hmm. uh, and I was quite because um, uh, surprised, but how it how it kind of came together as a live live. Uh, live show is it kind of changed over the years how you've worked um you know when you're writing and recording between people having in the studio or or doing it by yourself sure yeah i think the last couple the last couple records especially um was more focused on uh the live band and how the songs would transition to the live band Uh uh-huh so it was definitely writing with the the guys in the band in mind a lot of the time um but with this record the new record um Kind of put that to the side. I feel like the trap you fall into when you're sort of writing for uh, 
a certain kind of band setup, for instance, it can be sort of limiting, you know, mm-hmm. um, just thinking about, okay, we have just these instruments on stage, yeah, which is probably good for a lot of people. But I, for me personally, um, with this record, I, I, I'm a lot more happy with the way it came out. Just n- never considering the live show. The f- first so, and foremost is just putting together the best songs I could put together. So the, I mean, that sounds great, but I'm just thinking in my mind, the flip side of that, you know, have you thought about how you're going to transition it, translate it into a live performance? Yeah, so I'm still figuring, still figuring that out. And we have, uh, I find we're quickly approaching the, the tour starting, but yeah, I have a pretty good idea. Um, luckily, um, you know, we've talked about the visuals are such an important piece, the puzzle for this record. Mm-hmm. Um, the the visuals are also a, a major focus for the live show now where we have um this really big kind of projection screen behind us it's it's and it's much less of a of a band setup now it's just a three piece um a lot more kind of electronic elements we're queuing a lot of samples mm-hmm. and stuff like that with sample pads still a live drum kit um but uh yeah with this record it was just kind of uh, not putting any limitations in place, and the idea would be to f- figure all of the live stuff out uh, later. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it's it's you know we've been rehearsing and stuff, and it's I feel like it's a good place. It's the right mix of live stuff, and then it sounds really full and big because there is quite a lot of this backing track elements and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So just talking a bit about your uh, second choice uh, for shoplifting, uh, you tell us a bit about that. Sure. So I mentioned the I have two posters on my wall. One of them was uh, was the DJ Shadow story that I told, and then the other one is is a, a photo of Jay Dilla um, working in his home studio with uh, just you know an MPC and a crate full of records. Um, and again, another classic record. I feel like these some folks might feel just super obvious, but uh, yeah, as far as just, again, shaping my sensibility and the way that I think about putting together songs, um, these two are big ones. Uh, specifically with, with Donuts, um, I think what's, for me, what's really special about this record is unlike, you know, the DJ Shadow record, which is so complex, these arrangements are like, I mean, some of the songs are what, like eight minutes long or something? Mm-hmm. There's this kind of purity and kind of simplicity to a lot of the songs on Donuts, where in some cases they're just like just edits of, of songs. Yeah. Um, but the there's this raw quality. A lot of it has to do with just the equipment he was using. Yeah, I was actually going to ask about that because I mean he's known as basically a craft, you know, almost like I suppose the craftsmanship around the MPC, right? Yeah. I mean. I, how have you? How does kind of the hardware you use influence the stuff you're making on the new album? Have you been working with more kind of traditional elements that are associated with hip hop? Or yeah, I've actually never used an MPC before. I've used it live just to kind of cue samples, yeah. but I've always been you know just worked on the computer. Um, but there there is definitely a sound, uh, especially the older MPCs have kind of a gritty mm-hmm. kind of sound to them. Uh, which I definitely love. There's, you know, software these days that can get you most of the way there with some of those tricks. Yeah. Um, but I actually uh, worked with uh, the guy that mastered Donuts. All he, right. he mastered uh, Mr. Mellow, the, the new record. 
And we talked a lot about this record. I was just curious as a super fan, like some of the things that, that they yeah. were doing. Um, he said that um, some of the the songs uh, that you know he mastered were had been just bounced down from cassette tapes. So it's like again, mm-hmm. that's there's a crunchiness that's obvious, obviously going to come from from a format like that. That's mm-hmm. really interesting. And he also the mix the mastering engineer did some some things to even push it even in a more crazy uh, place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's again, it's a classic record. It's like everything is. So well, I mean, there's. Uh, I suppose it's difficult to choose a track because there's so many little snippets. Exactly, and, uh, that's. Stops. And it's funny, like it, it's. It has a lot to do with. Uh, we've talked again. We've been talking about the record a lot today, and um, I think about the the new record a lot, like this, where I don't think there's like, again, this is my perception, but there's not these like a standout single or anything for me. Like the the records, it's strongest when you're listening from beginning to end mm-hmm. and yeah that's definitely the my take on on donuts yeah um, so if push came to shove what track uh, would you choose to go on the man i, I really love when the really weird dilla tracks uh-huh. you know um i'm a big fan of uh i don't know if you've heard there's there's been uh, obviously tons of like after he passed away you know like some, so many compilations exactly and... but there there are a few that are just like so out there. He's like really into sampling, like weird, like craft work style stuff, but like cutting it in a way that like nobody really does. Yeah. But something like, you know, Light Works is pretty weird. Yeah. Um, you Love is, is a favorite. Um, okay. It's weird. Is that killing our audio right there? Uh, hopefully, can edit this out. Edit this out. If <laughs> That's you pretty bad. If the listener can't hear it, then uh, someone's someone's drilling next door. So, uh, so if we're gonna pick a track. We go uh, Lightworks. Or? Let's do I, I, Light My Fire is a good one. You know, kind of what I was talking about earlier about there's nothing super complex. You know, it's basically taking a cover of the the Doors song and just cutting it up in a really simple way, but. It's also super catchy and, and special at the same time, so that's a good one. Hey, uh, thanks a lot. So it was a track from Donuts. Um, we're going through uh, some uh, tracks from uh, Ernest from Washed Out's uh, shoplifting here at Rough Trade. Um, so the first two selections really uh, heavy on the kind of uh, hip-hop tip, which, you know, the new album on Stone's Throw uh, is going in that direction. Uh, what have you picked for your third track? So again, we're still staying with the theme, the sampling theme, um, but Shifting genres, uh, Motor City drum ensembles, uh, Raw Cuts Volume 1. Um, again, another favorite of mine. Uh, again, I think a lot of maybe casual listeners wouldn't think of a record like Donuts and a record, a house record like Motor City drum ensemble to kind of 
be similar, but to me, they're just two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. And that's like something that was eye opening for me. I mean, I've, I've certainly been influenced by dance music for a long time, but, um, it's just been the last like three or four years that I've really gravitated towards house or just dance music producers in general that are essentially using the same sampling techniques as someone like DJ Shadow or someone like like Jay Dilla, but just channeling it through, you know, the the whether it's house or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. they're a lot of time using the same equipment, um, certainly the same techniques. Um, so again, much like uh, donuts, there's a simplicity to some of the things that are happening um, on the Raw Cuts record. Mm-hmm. A few of the songs are just like somewhat basic edits, but there's just a rawness uh, that I really love. Things are just kind of blown out of proportion in places. Mm-hmm. Very kind of lo-fi feeling, but also super punchy. Um, so uh, I mean, his DJ sets are really well known, right? I know a couple of my friends, you know, been to see him and massive fans. And uh, he he does a lot of stuff with um, kind of that classic in that classic vein of uh, editing uh, classic disco tracks and stuff, right? And just kind sure. of stretching them out. And, yeah, but I heard he never he never plays any of the raw cut stuff. Like okay, uh, um, which is funny. I think he maybe thinks of them as being like too simple or something. Okay. But that's, what the, in my opinion, the beauty of it. Um, it's more about, you know, sometimes it's like a rough sketch uh, versus like a realistic painting or something. Yeah. Sometimes that can be just as beautiful and special, something you did in five minutes or whatever. It just has like the spontaneity to it. That's the way the record feels to me. Yeah. Um, and again, it's, it's one of my favorites and influenced, you know, some of the, Mainly just some of the mixing on the new record, just not being worried about having everything sound perfect. Mm-hmm. A lot of times wanting it to sound pretty fucked up and, mm-hmm. you know, stepped on a little bit. That was something we said quite a bit in the studio, kind of working through the mixes. So. Yeah. Okay. Is there a track in particular you want to check out from that? Well, it's funny. They're all labeled like Raw Cuts number one, Raw Cuts number two. Yeah. Um, I think the second one is one of my favorite ones. I think it'd be interesting playing them back to back, the the donut stuff, and uh, that track, the second raw cuts track, because again, at least in my ears, they're they're so similar. It's just one's like twenty or thirty BPM faster. Yeah, you know? I'm sure if you slowed it down or something like and did the comparison, it would wouldn't feel that different. So okay, we'll check that out now. <laughs>
Great. Uh, so we're working through uh, Ernest from Washed Out's um, four tracks here for uh, shoplifting, a rough trade. Uh, we're in the studio in the store. Um, and uh, I can see your final uh, selection is it kind of uh, is a recent release, right? Mm-hmm. It's just come out on one of, one of my favorite labels, actually. The, the stuff they've been doing over the last few years has been great. Uh, you want to tell us a bit about it? Sure. So it's uh it's Chris Cohen's as if apart uh, on captured tracks. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely we're we're leaving the sampling theme behind. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I have a tendency to really be drawn to solo song songwriters slash producers. I think yeah. it's there's something you that's normally really unique with like what feels like a self taught producer kind of working away in isolation uh and i'm pretty sure chris cohen put this record together by himself you is know it, playing all the parts and yeah i think it's really interesting i, I thought about that yeah kind of uh, recently because quite often the two disciplines are seen as quite separate right you're mm-hmm. a songwriter or you're a, a producer mm-hmm. um it must be quite it's, i suppose it's quite rare to kind of have those two like uh innate skills and talents so, i mean what, what do you does that build a kind of, uh, you know, a kind of fullness to the sound? Is I it? think so. I would definitely argue that, at least for this style of music. Um, yeah, it's just like if he were to go into a, a proper studio working with, you know, uh, a well-known producer, it would never come out sounding like this. You yeah. Know, it's like there's so much, and I've never met him before, but I'm just guessing there's so much of, like, his personality yeah. Uh the the idiosyncrasies, you know, that just 
naturally seep in. Um, but it's it's absolutely beautiful. It's it's beautifully recorded. It's not like it's like like outsider music yeah. where it's like he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, it, it sounds incredible. Um, but it's totally just funneled, you know, through his sensibility. Yeah. I, I saw an interview with uh, Grimes a few months ago, and she was saying how she gets approached all the time to work with different producers. And she was saying how it's kind of missing the point, you know, her producing uh, the song she's written, you know, is kind of that, that that's what she does. And it, you know, it adds so much because she understands it so well, you know. Sure. Um, I haven't actually, I have to say, I haven't uh, listened to his most recent album, which, uh, you know, is a bad omission on my part. But, you know, I really trust it's one of those labels as well. Like I was saying earlier, you know, recorded stuff with Sub Pop and Stone's Throw, you know, working in the store here, you know, when we get stuff through from those labels, Captured Tracks, I think it's another one we kind of know that it's going to be something we want to check out and listen to, you know. At the very least, something interesting, you know, I think. Yeah. Um, Yeah, this is, I mean, his previous record was good, but to me, this is like a couple steps better um yeah and it's it's again another record that you can just you know put on and listen all the way through mm-hmm. um favorite track i think is yesterday is on my mind the, the final track mm-hmm. um but it's just yeah everything i love uh beautiful playing beautiful production beautiful songwriting um all you know really present in that song in particular um Okay. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Okay, cool. So let's listen to uh, Yesterday's On My Mind by uh, Chris Cohen now. Touch my hand, it was 
So uh, that was Yesterday's On My Mind by Chris Cohen from his album As If Apart uh, on Captured Tracks. So we've been through uh, four tracks um, with Furnace from Washed Out. They kind of, um, you know, talk a lot about, I suppose, uh, influences that have gone towards the, the new album. Um, yeah, so the final part is, you know, we have to ask for a track from the new album. You put <laughs> me you. on the spot there. I didn't realize that was... Uh... That was part of the deal. Um, yeah, is there any, I mean, um, is there a track in particular that you think, uh, you know? Yeah, the, I think my, my favorite probably is, um, so there's a short introduction and then the first proper song mm-hmm. is called Burnout Blues. And uh, yeah, I think, um, again, in one song, I think captures a lot of the stuff I was trying to do. It's kind of a hip hop tempo track um but there's just a lot of crazy stuff going on all the time um a lot of just stuff that's been reversed kind of like the old you know beatles stuff where just like i know there's a period of time like the sergeant peppers era where like they tried reversing everything yeah you know, symbols, that was guitars you know it's like uh definitely you know experimented a lot with that sort of thing have you but, listened to the you know they just brought out the like uh reproduction of uh sergeant peppers and george martin's son is like remixed it. so is is there any i know like i've seen some like beach boys reissues where they have like alternate takes or like uh isolated tracks and stuff yeah. like that that's i really geek out on that yeah it's, it's there's a great podcast to listen to actually I think it was NPR, they were interviewing him, you know, just about the process. And he was saying how applying modern production methods, what was, you know, is, it, you know, it's really interesting the impact it has on the album as a whole. But, you know, so, sometimes it was interesting what we were saying earlier about, I suppose sometimes the limitation or doing something, not that it was shorthand uh, back in the day, you know, has, has a charm to it and uh, brings, something, brings something out of it, you know? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think of, I know there's some leaks out there of the, uh, I guess they're working four tracks for Peppers, mm-hmm. and there's you know like the isolated four tracks for a few of the songs from the sessions, um, and just how you know obviously there's a lot more overdubs than just four tracks. How they would dump down whatever they're working up to that point onto another track, um, and kept doing that, and it would degrade the sound in a really interesting way. Mm-hmm. I mean that's definitely the kind of things that I you know. Am, massively influenced by and try to do again it's just um i mean i'm sure they weren't like necessarily uh particularly like enamored with that sound it was just the only way they could record at that point but uh yeah it's stuff like that that's like 
makes it less like pristine and precious. At least for my ears, I, I love that. Yeah, I used to I used to play drums, and I was always taken by the sound on uh, some Beatles albums, and you know they uh, they used uh, I think it's Tomorrow Never Knows on. Um, uh, Chemical Brothers sampled it, I think, yeah, on Let Forever Be. Totally. Yeah. And uh, I remember not knowing that when I first heard it uh, and uh, kind of going back and figuring it out. It's kind of really mind-blowing. But I think with the with the drums in particular, you know, they didn't have a mic on every, you know, on every yeah, piece of the kit. Yeah, it's just compressing the shit out of, like, yeah. the room, like, the overheads and stuff. It's like people always going about, I'm always a big fan of Can, and, you know, I think people really struggle to get, people love the beats, say, from vitamin C or something, mm -hmm. you know, and it's just, you can never reproduce that, you no. know? Yeah, no, I'm I'm all about, I mean, that plays, going back to the Chris Cohen thing, that's very much like his style of recording. It's not yeah. like, let's put 15 mics on the drum kit, like, yeah. it's it's more about a vibe, you yeah. know, so, uh, yeah, definitely, that's, that's right in line with my sensibility for sure. Okay, cool. So, uh, so we're gonna listen to. Sorry, what's the name of the track? Burnout yeah, Blues. The, okay, Burnout Blues from the new album out 30th June on uh, uh, Stone's Road. <laughs>
Trade Radio. Songhoi Blues, Resistance. Available in store and online at roughtrade.com. subscriptions help to support what we do so if you like what you hear then please rate us on itunes